0: Welcome to the Saturday Blitz podcast with your tailgater crew, John Mitchell and Zach Begolke. Welcome to the Saturday Blitz podcast, everybody. I'm Zach Begolke here, as always, with John Mitchell. We've got a great episode this week planned for you because National Signing Day is now in the rearview mirror. Officially, we now have uh, an idea of what the 2021 class will look like and who the winners and losers were from National Signing Day. So we'll be diving into that in the first segment. And uh, then in the second segment this week, we had a misfortune of timing last week. As those of you who listen regularly know, uh, we record on Monday nights usually. And Tuesday morning, we got news that EA Sports was launching the college football franchise once again so we'll be talking about that a bit in the second segment offering up our general thoughts about that and uh you know where do we go from here in the landscape now that we're not pining for college football but more wondering when we'll finally get to taste it again so with that in mind john i just want to you know Quickly ask how are things going in your world before we dive into everything this week. Yeah, it you know, I I think we do have a really great schedule in store here and it's always a pleasure being here talking college football with you and being able to talk to everybody out there. Before we get going I just want to give a shout out Uh, support for the Saturday Blitz podcast this week is brought to you by Manscaped the best in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. And uh, we have a special offer for you this week. Uh, This is exclusive for all the listeners of the Saturday Blitz podcast. 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. And I've got to say, you know, as somebody who is as hairy as I am, any of you who follow me on Twitter, you certainly know uh, I I am not a baby-faced individual and if i have this much hair up here you, you you can only imagine what it's like uh below the belt so you, you know the thing in life is is you always need the right tools for the job and that's exactly what manscape brings you it, you're not going to bring a sledgehammer to go you know tap a nail into a 2x4 and and just the same you you don't want to be using the wrong equipment on uh, on the jewels so Look, you know, take advantage of this offer. I just want to, you know, give that code again. It's fansided20. You can use that code at manscape.com for 20% off plus free shipping. And I highly recommend it because you do want the right tools for the job. And the the kit that they're bringing, the lawnmower 3.0, it is the right tool for the job. If it works for a guy like me, it it'll work for anybody. I want to dive right into national signing day now John uh because well first of all it, it it seems like every year we look at these these rankings and you know you can almost look at them and pick out who's going to be the the champion or in the race for the championship the next few years down the line um you know we've we've seen different you know ways of quantifying this but You know, you look at this list from 247sports.com, this year's composite rankings, and it's, it's pretty much the usual suspects there in the top five that you see year after year. So I have to ask, outside of the usual suspects, John, who do you think won National Signing Day this year?
1: Yeah, I mean... You know, obviously the Alabama's, Ohio State's, LSU, Georgia, Clemson being those guys, Oregon even now with Mario Cristobal is kind of the odd, the weird team when you look at that because they don't fit, I guess, the blue blood kind of deal in in the mostly southeastern United States uh, with most of those teams. But, I mean, Mario Cristobal has done just a phenomenal job recruiting for the Ducks uh, since he's taken over there. So the talent level in Eugene is really – uh, taking off. Uh, we saw a couple years ago when they signed Kayvon Thibodeau and how dominant he's been um, since arriving in Eugene. I mean, coming into his junior season next year, the sky's the limit for that kid. He's probably going to be a top five pick in the draft after next season. Uh, he's going to be terrorizing quarterbacks all next year, hopefully in front of legitimate stands full of fans. That would be uh, preferable. They signed a great class. And also in the Pac 12, USC is your usual suspect. Obviously, because it's, I mean, how hard is it to recruit kids to Los Angeles? But they really had, you know, kind of a tumultuous last year with the uncertainty around Clay Helton uh, as head coach. He's back again, kind of unexpectedly. I, I know they kind of kicked some tires on Urban Meyer, much like Texas did before deciding to stick with Helton and them signing. Um, A top 10 class finishing eighth in the 24-7 composites is really big for Helton's future. That's uh, another really talented class he's brought in. So I think those Pac-12 schools that are, you know, getting two Pac-12 schools in the top 10 of the recruiting rankings is huge, not just for USC and Oregon, but for the entire brand of the Pac-12. In recent years, it seems like they've really started to fall behind when it came to recruiting, even when, you know, Washington was a real power when Chris Peterson was there and, you know, they still might be in the future with him gone. They were fringe top 25 classes. Peterson was just a master at developing talent and getting every bit of that, um, you know, talent that those kids had out of them uh, and onto the field. So the PAC 12s really had a branding issue um, when it comes to recruiting. So getting both, uh, obviously, Oregon's recruited really well, but getting USC back to that level of recruiting, I think, is huge, not just for those two programs, but for the Pac-12 as a whole and really upping their national standing and giving those two teams the potential shot of not winning just a Pac-12 title and you know a Rose Bowl bid, but potentially elevating into the college football playoff. Those are two classes that are talented enough to help those schools end up in the college football playoff in the coming years.
0: Yeah, you know, I I think you're right that the Pac-12 in you know, getting those two teams into the top 8 was a coup. It, it it really was in terms of, you know, just the narrative that's been written around the conference with, you know, the latest start of any Power 5 conference during this COVID-racked season with the fact that Larry Scott's been been given the door. Uh, it, it's a conference in disarray it, and you know the rearview mirror it, it, the, the last time that the, the the league played in the college football playoff is just kind of vanishing into the horizon and this is exactly what they need is that shot in the arm of you know a new injection of talent and getting this level of talent obviously Oregon didn't have a five-star recruit this year um, but that's kind of because they got all hoovered up at the top you know to those top five teams and that's that's something that's just generally going to happen you know for as long as those teams are on top it it does require you know those little little coups here and there but you know out of the 23 players Oregon landed 19 of them were four-star recruits which puts them right in that conversation um you know and I think USC is well highlighting that the fact is what they were what 60th 64th last year in composite rankings they were bad in recruiting uh so yeah turning turning the ship around there was huge for the Trojans yeah, and there was only 34 five-star recruits in the
1: 24-7 composites. Those top five teams, Alabama, Ohio State, LSU, Georgia, and Clemson, took 19 of those five stars.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, that's a pretty standard thing. You usually see those, you know, recent champions or recent college football playoff semifinalists and finalists get the benefit of the doubt from recruits that it, it, it's kind of a self-perpetuating machine in a lot of ways another team i was really excited to see do well though john was wisconsin uh you know highest rated class in badgers history at number 15 and by a wide margin i think it was 25th or 26th was the highest rated class before that in madison so to get a top 15 class and uh you know landing nolan rucci the five-star offensive lineman um obviously has a lot of people very mad here in state college where i'm at right now uh because you know pennsylvania born and bred figured you know he's right there in the target audience for for the nittany lions but wisconsin swooped in and, and pulled him out of pennsylvania so i think that was huge and uh you know, this is the kind of thing that Wisconsin needs to do if they're going to take that next step. We've seen them in recent years be on the threshold of making the college football playoff, um, needing that last win in the Big Ten championship game to get in, but not being able to, to cross that hurdle against Ohio State. And, you know, one class obviously isn't going to do it alone, but I think you know, the fact that Paul Christ has shown that he can land a top 15 class in Madison uh, bodes well for the future for the Badgers.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. That's uh, definitely big for them to get into that top 15 range. I didn't know it was their highest ranked class ever, so that was cool. A little tidbit. Speaking of highest ranked class ever, Alabama signed the highest ranked class of all time, period. Um, in the since the internet recruiting era began. So I couldn't let us go through without talking about that. They signed 16 guys that were in the top 100 of the 24 7 composites, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, an absolutely absurd class. And what we see in recruiting every year is the rich get richer. Um, as many championships as Alabama's won recently, they're going to attract top talent. Ohio State's always going to attract top talent. Georgia, Clemson with the way they've been, and obviously LSU coming off a national title a year ago, um, having that as well. So, you know, the Blue Bloods always have that step ahead, but it's always interesting when you have some teams that aren't really the normal Blue Bloods have the opportunity. Like North Carolina, for instance, signing another top 15 class with Mac Brown. We had heard for years how that was kind of a sleeping giant, and we're seeing recruiting wise that maybe it really is because they've really brought in some talent there in the last few cycles that are really going to set them up, I think, even in the post-Mac Brown era, because, like, you know, he is an older coach who I don't think had plans to be there for a decade or more or anything like that. He's really laying the groundwork for what the program's hopefully going to send to in the future.
0: I I completely agree. I think North Carolina is another one of those stories that you know, they continue to surprise, and in terms of the way they recruit relative to the ACC, they're, they're setting themselves up really well to continue competing for an ACC championship and possibly, you know, finally getting over that hurdle themselves. I have to pivot now, though, John, because, you know, it, as much fun as it is to talk about all the success stories and the boundless hope uh, I, I I have to be the harbinger of doom as well. So, who do you think di- didn't meet expectations on national signing day?
1: Yeah, one of the ones that immediately popped out to me because you know I'm a hater first and foremost was Auburn coming in twenty seventh. Twenty seventh doesn't sound that bad to a lot of schools, but it's tenth in the SEC. Uh, because of how tough it is. And that's something we mentioned when Brian Harson first got the job at Auburn is it's a dog eat dog world in the sec when it comes to recruiting, like you sign a top 30 class and you're near the bottom of the 14 team conference. And it's really, really difficult to make up ground when you really lose a cycle like this. And obviously they had some extenuating circumstances with Gus Malzahn um, being fired and Harson kind of being behind the eight ball, but, Just that class top to bottom is pretty weak. They only signed four guys out of their 17 that were four stars, uh, 13 guys below four stars. So Auburn was, I think, a pretty disappointing class and is really going to leave them with a lot of holes on that roster from guys they're losing. Um, And, you know, obviously from just having the team last year had the struggles that they had. They had a lot of holes on the roster that needed to plug, and I don't really think they were able to do that on signing day. So I think that's a pretty rough Um, class for them finishing 10th in the conference. Um, I would say Virginia Tech was also a little bit disappointing. They signed a 27-man class, all three stars. Uh, They finished 45th in the 24-7 composites. I don't think that's going to do a lot to alleviate the hot seat that I really feel like Justin Fuente is going to be on heading into the 2021 season. Uh, They really needed a talent influx, and they're really not getting that um, and then Arizona State slipping down to 53rd. Herm Edwards had really been recruiting pretty well for the Sun Devils. Um, obviously, bringing in Jaden Daniels was a huge win for him and his first class. And I believe they had signed a top 25 class um, the previous year or top 30 class or something like that. So slipping down to 53rd is really tough for the Sun. Yeah, the other 23rd in the composites last year. So slipping that much uh, is really going to be difficult for them to overcome because, I mean, it only takes one – recruiting cycle for you to really hurt your roster going forward. Uh, Cause I mean, you, you're signing 20, 25 man classes and your, you know, your scholarship limits 85. So you're talking about um, almost a third of your roster coming in every year as freshmen. So that's a really, it's really hard to overcome one bad cycle of recruiting. You usually overcome one, you can't have a second. Uh, but those are the ones that really immediately popped to me when I was just looking through the rankings
0: and I think Arizona State's an interesting case, I'm really not sure what the situation is in terms of, you know, seniors that have opted to take that extra year of eligibility and whatnot, because they only signed 13 players. So, you know, I, I, I think we can kind of eye that with A little bit of skepticism whether or not it's as bad as it looks. I mean if you look at just the average player ranking they pulled the third best class in the or the fourth best class in the Pac-12. So you know I don't think it's all doom and gloom in Tempe but you're right dropping that far down the list certainly does raise a lot of eyebrows. Auburn certainly raised eyebrows for me as well, John. I'm glad you brought them up because, you know, with Brian Harson coming in, there was always the curiosity about how he would recruit in a what's essentially foreign territory for him. Uh, he's usually, you know, he's been a guy that's been out west most of his career. He spent one year at Arkansas State. But other than that, he, he, he's really been a west of the Mississippi guy. And so, yeah, you know, it's not just that they finished 10th in the SEC. They finished dead last in the SEC West. You know, they're behind Arkansas. They're behind Mississippi State. They're behind all these other teams that they're basically grappling with behind the Alabamas and LSUs and Texas A&Ms, you know, when a team like Ole Miss is starting to look more ascendant it's even worse when you're landing last in the, that in, in your division. So it's fascinating. You know, the SEC is always fascinating in that regard. They had four of the top eight teams or four of the top 10 teams in the recruiting, uh, you know, the, the composite recruiting. So it, 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 it's always going to be a dogfight to get Anybody in that league and landing the 27th best class would have you, you know, number three in the Pac-12. It would have you number three in the Big 12. I'm if I'm not mistaken, Uh, you know, a little bit further back in the ACC. But you're still a top five team in the ACC in that regard. If that happens, Uh, because yeah, they're right. They would be right behind Florida State as the fifth best team in recruiting or right behind Pittsburgh actually. So when you're recruiting worse than Pittsburgh as an SEC school that's not a good thing.
1: That's their worst recruiting class ranking-wise since 2004, which was, you know, coming off a strong season obviously, um or right before a really huge season for Auburn I guess. So and then coming near the ultimately the recruiting class that got Tommy Tabor fired. Uh, because he was gone after 2007 when that group would have been seniors. So that's what can happen with one bad class.
0: More abstractly, before we go to the break, John, I just want to ask, what do you think, you know, I think a big part of this story is that there were so many fewer scholarship opportunities for uh, high schoolers coming out of their senior year. And I, I forget what the exact number is. I was reading about it earlier before we started talking, but it's in the hundreds. There are hundreds fewer high schoolers who sign letters of intent and receive scholarship offers than did last year, just across the FBS, uh, because we see players return, you know, returning for that extra year of eligibility and taking advantage of. Uh, more liberal transfer rules as well this year uh what kind of residual effect do you think this is going to have long term is this just um do you think this is just a single year of students who are going to have a, a you know lost opportunity are we going to see those numbers kind of normalize next year in recruiting or do you think this is something that's going to have knock-on effects moving forward?
1: Yeah I really think it's probably a one-year blip um as long as everything's kind of mostly back to normal next season. Um, you know it, it's one of the toughest recruiting experiences I know because a lot of these kids are choosing schools that they never even got to visit either so that's a huge thing because campus visits weren't really allowed Uh, at least official visits weren't allowed during the fall. So having basically Zoom meetings and stuff, it's hard to get a feel, and you know this probably more than anybody, it's hard to get a feel for a campus without being on the campus. Um, You know, you can look at pictures and stuff like that online. Looks great. You get there. Maybe the vibe's just not really what you were looking for. So I think this could end up being maybe the big thing for this recruiting class as a whole is we can see a ton of transfers I think coming from this class. Uh, and I really feel like, you know, obviously it's been pushed uh, they're pushing currently for a, you know, one time get out of jail, free card transfer, basically across college football that hopefully will get approved. Um, and it really should, especially for this class. Cause I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of players get to where they're going and just isn't what they really thought it was going to be. Um, they still one of the top kids in the country's unsigned JTT. I'll just say his nickname because I can't pronounce his last name and I'm not going to try. Um, he's held off past national signing day at this point and is hoping in the next few weeks or even a month to be able to potentially take official visits to Alabama and Ohio state in particular, to be able to visit those schools. So it, it's been a crazy recruiting cycle. It's, it's incredible that, um, so many kids still chose to go out of state. You would think that it might lend uh, this class more to people staying closer to home because they've been unable to get out and visit these places they wanted to go. But, you know, recruiting is not a one year thing either. These Coaches have been on these kids for three or four, even five years in some cases. They've brought them into satellite camps and camps on campus and stuff. So all these kids have seen campuses. They just haven't got the full recruiting experience that they would have gotten their senior years. And you know, you hate to see that for them. And hopefully, they all end up being happy where they are. But if not, they're able to transfer freely after the season if they'd like.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point to keep in mind. Is that well. While- we're seeing the impacts this year. Uh, there are going to be, well. while it might not impact high scores coming out, it, it, it probably will impact for the next couple of years to come in terms of that transfer market and, and what happens in the portal. So yeah, thank you for, for keeping that in perspective as well. On that note, let's take a quick break. I think it's about the time to, to stretch a little bit. Move those limbs, grab a cold one. We will be right back in just a moment to talk about EA sports college football. So stay tuned. back from the break to the saturday blitz podcast everybody we just finished talking about national signing day and now it's time to move on to ea sports college football oh my god john this is the game we have been waiting for basically since that last one came out for the uh 2014 season it's been six, seven years of of ranting at one another on text messages and uh, social media, direct messages and posts in public, and ranting on this damn podcast and ranting on the Saturday Blitz website, and the day has finally come. What were your first impressions when when you finally saw that news, John?
1: Just euphoric, to be honest. Just absolutely thrilled. I'm not a huge gamer. Uh, I never really have been, but I've played I played the college football video game franchise for years. And, I mean, it was a religious thing. Every single uh, time it would come out, I believe it was in July usually when it would come to stores. I mean, I would be there day, the first day trying to get a copy if I could. So I still play NCAA 13. Zach knows this. I'm still uh, – or NCAA 14, excuse me. I still play that game. All the time. Like, it's still my favorite video game. It's the only game I ever still play. Uh, And there's been a huge community of people who have kept that game alive year in and year out, updating rosters. There's even something now called College Football Revamped, where people have figured out how to put... Um, updates on a zip drive. Um, a lot smarter people than me when it comes to computers and uh, be able to change the layout of the game and even add in like the college football playoff to the game, which is insane. I haven't tried it myself, but I've seen screen grabs, uh, and stuff like that, uh, of it, and it looks really cool. It's kind of incredible that what people are able to do it just kind of blows my mind. Those people speak different languages than me, I feel like, when it comes to coding and that kind of stuff. So, Just really excited. Um, Obviously, it's still a couple years away from being a reality. They're still hoping to get this name image likeness thing taken care of prior to that. Uh, I did think it was interesting that they didn't put NCAA on the announcement. They just said college football game is back because they might not have the direct licensing for the NCAA. I believe they did say they have over 100 uh university's license for the game already uh and hopefully eventually going to be able to get everybody. So just super excited. I hope the NIL stuff gets taken care of so they can, you know, give money to the players for their likeness like it should be. Uh and we don't get necessarily just generic players uh from whoever. Although the funnest part of those NCAA games as everybody knows is dynasty mode. Anyway, being a coach and building a dynasty at whatever program you want to. And after three or four years, the players are all randomized anyway. So it doesn't super matter. But just from the standpoint of I want these kids to get paid something, I really hope that does work out and they're able to do that.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Certainly was my first thought as well. My last NCAA football video game was the 07 version uh for the playstation 2 and i kept that playstation 2 for years uh, and that game was so scratched up and it still worked and i two or three moves ago that playstation 2 got lost somewhere along the way and it's been years of sadness ever since uh not this past christmas but the one before uh right before the pandemic. So I guess that was good in a way. Uh, my wife bought me a PlayStation four for Christmas and, you know, it was nice having video games back and being able to play things like FIFA and NHL franchise games, but not having the college football game was always, it, it, it was sort of that gaping hole. And, uh, while I was really excited to get it, um, you know my my original wish was find an old playstation 2 and find that game and just let me play it again like i i don't need any more bells and whistles than they gave me with all like i think it was 119 fps teams at the time or whatever it was so um obviously i'll be excited to have you know the updated setup and be able to have the college football playoff and you know if they if they give you the opportunity to expand the college football playoff, all the better. Uh, but yeah, I, I think in general, that was the reaction most everybody had was just that euphoria. But at the same time, you know, um, reality also comes down to earth. This obviously is not going to be released by this July. Um that's video games just don't work that way that you know they're not going to have this coded in three four months especially because as you said they're working on the nil issues and seeing how many teams they can actually get in here do you have the ncaa's approval um they you know as you mentioned they signed that agreement with the collegiate licensing company um that manages you know, uniforms and, and trademarks and all of that for, it, it's over a hundred schools. So yeah, they do have a large chunk of that body there, but it is not a universal uh, marketing wing for, for college football. So yeah, I, there is still some negotiating that needs to happen there. Um, if they can get real players into the system, that would be all the better.
1: At this point, we just want them to get it right. You know what I mean? I don't want them to rush the game. There's no need to rush. We've waited this long already. You know, If it takes another two years, if it's 2023 before we're able to log on and play NCAA again, that's fine with me. I just want the game to be right. I want them to take their time. I want to have every team possible. I'd love to have FCS schools. I know you would love to have that added in to be able to play Uh, in the FCS playoffs and stuff like that. Maybe work your way up as a coach from that level uh, and whatnot would be a lot of fun as well. I definitely think expanded playoffs makes a ton of sense to be able to let users do that if they so choose. Um, So transfer portal would be a really cool addition as well to be able to see that because one of everyone's favorite feature, especially on uh, the later NCAA games, has been recruiting. So being able to add another element to recruiting, just makes it all that much more fun for everybody. So, yeah, I mean, I just want them to get it right. That's the big thing. I want the players to get paid. I want them to get the game right. I want it to be perfect. I want it to be better than the crappy Madden games that have come out in recent years. Uh, It was always better than every Madden game that came out every year. When I was growing up, we would get Madden and we would get NCAA every year. We'd play both. But after a couple of months, that Madden kind of got off put in the corner and I was still playing NCAA uh, through Christmas into January, and all until the next year when the new game came out, and we ran to the store, my brothers and I, to get the new game.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, and that's something I've definitely heard a lot on Twitter and, you know, in the numerous articles that have already been written about this, is they really need to make sure that they're not just, you know, pulling the the body of Madden out and just kind of putting new window dressing on it that obviously you know that's been a big gripe for a lot of people and I agree with you it's something I I wouldn't want to see them do either because I I was in the same boat I was in that sort of golden period where I I would buy copies of each uh usually for PC until I had that PlayStation 2 that was something I only had fairly late in the uh, my time buying video games annually. But, you know, even then, you're absolutely right. There, there was something about the way that the the game just worked, that it worked better. And I, I definitely want them to get that right. You mentioned a couple of features, the transfer portal. Um, and, uh, I can't even remember what, what the other thing was that you mentioned, but, but the big, Yes, FCS schools, obviously, Um, but the big, you know, that that kind of led me to, you know, you might have already answered it, but I was curious if you could have like one feature um, that you could guarantee was in the game when they finally release it. What would that feature be?
1: Man, that is a great question. Um, Obviously, there's no point in saying college football playoff because that'll be without a doubt, a feature that's in the new game. Something I was really thinking about, I don't know just if it's the feature I want, but something I think would be fun is being able to hire your own staff. That's something they didn't have in the previous games. It kind of just, you know, if you got to a new school and you went to the coaching carousel and it came for your offensive coordinator or something, it just randomly hired an offensive coordinator. So I think it would be fun to be able, if you're a head coach, to hire your own offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, but also getting down into even position coaches you know, figuring out what your staff's going to be based on the limit of coaches you're allowed to have, your quarterbacks coach, your receiver's coach, linebacker's coach, stuff like that. I think that would be a lot of fun, a really cool little neat addition uh, that some of the um, pro sports franchises like Madden, like two k uh, for NBA, have done and and had success with as well. So that's one of the neater things, I think, when it comes to college football games and coaches, the potential to do that, I think would be a lot of fun. So that's one of the main ones that I was really thinking of when I first saw it was the potential for, you know, hiring your own assistants and and stuff like that. Uh, Potentially interviewing them or something like that, seeing how they fit based on your specifications of offense. Um, And then, you know, RPOs in the playbook would be a lot of fun. That's the one thing I think that's really missing from the NCAA 14 game that I play Uh, other than the college football playoff obviously but is not you have the option playbooks you know you can run spread options triple options from the spread and stuff but not being able to do the rpos in particular uh, which is all the rage in college football it'd be a lot of fun to uh, have that implemented implemented into the new game
0: oh totally and i imagine by the time they finally release this they're gonna have it looking exactly like college football looks in terms of of the way games are managed and the way the sport is played these days. One that I was really thinking about, and it it ties in with you mentioning putting FCS schools into the game, is, and, and you also mentioned Dynasty mode. I would love the opportunity to transition an FCS team up to the FBS. And to, you know, kind of play the dynasty of working that team up, you know, become an FCS champion, go through the transition process, you know, find a conference to take you on and then, you know, see if you can build that up into a dynasty that way. I think that would be absolutely amazing.
1: That sounds incredible. I'd like to change my answer if we can uh, rewind five minutes, because that's that definitely sounds awesome.
0: I it, it It's something that you know i i i guess it comes from me playing fifa games how you have promotion and relegation Uh, at least you know they have it in the big leagues england and france and germany uh italy um spain obviously but yeah i there's like five or six leagues where you can sign up as a second or third division team and, and actually work their way up to the premier league or whatnot and uh as I've been playing that more over the past year, I I was thinking if I could have an NCAA game back, I would love to be able to, you know, you know, take North Dakota state and finally get them up to the FBS level and, and see how they play or, you know, for a a sentimental idiot like me try to do the same with Portland state. So yeah, I was thinking Jacksonville state. Exactly. So yeah, that's, you know, I, I think that would be absolutely fascinating
1: I think enhanced scheduling would be fun too, like being able to sign home and home deals uh, with certain schools and stuff like that. And um, being offered the opportunity, not just doing it, but being offered like uh, contracts to play in like the Chick-fil-A kickoff or the Texas kickoff um, or what have you. Uh, Those would be a lot of fun playing in maybe weird stadiums too. Like we had college football games played at Bristol Speedway. So having, That stadium as an option for a game would be a lot of fun, too, to to go along with, obviously, the regular stadiums everywhere across the country. So stuff like that. There were some old college basketball video games that kind of had that scheduling opportunity where they would offer you the, the chance to play like in the Maui Invitational for instance, instead of you just choosing to do it like you can on the current college football games, you can choose to just play at the Chick-fil-A kickoff if you want to against whoever you want to, but having them come up and be like, Hey, we're offering you the chance to play in the Chick-fil-A kickoff against, um, Georgia. Here you go. Do you accept or do you decline? So stuff like that, I think would be a nice little enhancement as well.
0: I think that'd be spectacular. And if they could even work it out to have the option to, uh, do a little bit of BYU Coastal Carolina negotiating in season, all the better.
1: College football, if we can have more of that going forward,
0: yeah. Oh yeah, if we could see that in real life, that'd be amazing. But if nothing else, to get that sort of thing in the, you know, the 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 video game would make that just all the better. Because if we learn nothing else in this pandemic, it's that there is absolutely no requirement that says you have to schedule games 12 years out to fill out your schedule, your non-conference schedule. Um, You know, it's something where maybe you would have the option. You could obviously schedule home and homes, but you can also keep an open date and try to, you know, take your chances on, on landing a date with another top school that's trying to negotiate their way or work their way up the ladder. So
1: College football needs a bracket buster weekend like college uh, basketball has, have open dates um, and then decide like to get BYU and Coastal or, you know, Cincinnati and Boise State matched up on those weekends to try to enhance the profile of those group of five schools.
0: Yeah, I think that'd be a fun option to throw in there. Um, And, you know, maybe life will imitate art if EA Sports can push that and enough fans love it. So,
1: Who should be on the cover of the new college football video game? I have a thought in my head. I want to see where your head was, though.
0: Well, it's tough because, you know, it's probably not coming out until 2023. It's probably either A, going to be a coach the first time it comes out, I'm guessing, um, or a classic player. And, you know, I'm trying to think about, like, the players I would have loved to see on the cover when you know, the game wasn't out. And like, I would love to see like Lamar Jackson on the cover in his Louisville uniform or, uh, you know, something along those lines. That's the one that immediately stands out to me. Like he didn't get that chance. I'd love to see that. So my thought
1: on it would be to get all of them on the cover, all the guys who would have potentially been on the cover in the years where the video game didn't come out. So, you know, like the Heisman winners, like the Derrick Henry Um, Lamar Jackson, um, Johnny Manziel, all those guys, Devontae Smith, Joe Burrow, all those guys in recent years that weren't able to do that and probably dreamed of being, when they were kids, were probably dreaming of one day being on the cover of EA Sports' NCAA football. So figuring out a way to get all of them on the cover, I think would be a nice tip of the hat to all of them and then kind of a nice nostalgic thing to introduce the new game.
0: I think that'd be really awesome. Did you actually see that Joe Burrow tweeted about that? He's, yeah, his quote was, all I ever wanted was to be on the cover of this game, and as soon as I graduate, they bring it back. Like, what a great way to pay that back and, you know, say all these guys who certainly would have deserved to be on that cover. I think that's awesome. Just have a nice collage of of the greats that would have would have been there if not for this you know dormant period right that's awesome now i want to change my answer everybody so
1: yeah i think that would be a a nice thing to do for the new game um so yeah but uh it's obviously exciting uh the best news i had heard in in quite some time to be honest so um we will be it's also, it's going to make me have to buy a next generation console, which I never really planned on doing. Um, I have a PlayStation 4 and I still have my old Xbox 360, but I bought a PlayStation 4 um, probably about five years ago, really just so I could play Blu-rays on it. Because, you know, as you know, I'm a big movie fan. So I watch a lot of movies. That was the main reason I got a PS4 to begin with.
0: That's funny. And, you know, I'm thinking about it in terms of, you know, I, I got this one last year, and, you know, as excited as I am to have it, I'm gonna have to ask for another system in, like, three years when they find, or two or three years when they finally release this game, and, okay, I, I better start saving now, everybody, or, uh, the problem is, is, you know, by the time they get there, like, it's not going to be the PlayStation five, it's going to be the PlayStation six. And, uh, you know, it's going to be the whole new cycle of of scrambling to get one because everybody's going to want one at the same time when this college football game comes out.
1: Yeah, they're going to save the new college football game for the launch of newer consoles than what's just come out. And it's going to be like $1,000. And we're going to get yelled at by our families for spending that kind of money. <laughs>
0: but we will and yeah i i think i might start setting up like a just like a fund right now like just set up a separate bank account and like just for all of my you know birthdays and holidays and any gifts you ever want to send me just throw 20 bucks into this fund throw 50 whatever you know you want to um because i'm going to need to start saving up <laughs>
1: Yeah, make the conversation easier with your wife when it comes to spending that kind of dough on a video game.
0: One, I was thinking about it too. If it comes out in 2023, you know, July 2023, um, if all goes well, that'll be right after I've defended my dissertation and finished my doctoral degree, which means I'll probably be at the poorest point I've been at in years because I won't even be on a graduate student stipend anymore. I will be... Um, a, a graduate with a degree trying to find a job. So uh, yeah, I really better start saving now if I have any hopes of getting to play that first version when it comes out.
1: Hey, that'll be a, a nice present for you though, I think completing that degree.
0: You know, that really would be, I, I think I can just ask for that for my graduation present. Everybody just pull your resources and, and let me spend just a whole week doing nothing but lounging around in my recliner playing this game when it finally releases in July. Yeah,
1: that sounds perfect.
0: I'm going to cross my fingers for that to happen and start thinking about how I can negotiate that right now. Any final thoughts you want to throw out there, John, about the game, about national signing day, about basically anything?
1: Uh, you know, not really. It's the post national signing day period is really a dead period where we really start feeling the off season, which is always kind of depressing. But we talked about a week ago that we were actually looking forward to this college football off season. Um, and as crazy as it sounds, we're only about what three weeks away at this point from the start of some spring practices. Uh, so we'll start having even more things to discuss. Uh, about real live football in the coming weeks and really just hoping everyone has a much better 2021 than we had a 2020 uh, and we get to i want to attend a college football game in 2021 that's on my list of things that i would really enjoy doing is being particularly in bryant denny stadium at some point during the 2021 season and watch an Alabama football game. I know Zach, you want, you'd love to attend a Penn state home game. um, This coming fall, if at all possible, because there's nothing like being in a college football stadium. I've been to sporting events for all the major sports and you cannot beat the environment on a college football Saturday.
0: You really can't. And Honestly, after moving to state college in August, 2019, uh, you know, that first year I was here getting my bearings, I wasn't able to get to Beaver Stadium. My, you know, my whole mentality was, well, I have several more years here. Um, Obviously I lost one to the coronavirus um, in terms of the opportunities. yeah, my only times being in Beaver Stadium so far have been to get COVID tested. So, uh, you know, I'd like to actually go into that Erector set of a hundred thousand seat stadium for something more than uh, sticking things up my nose. Uh, that would be that would be really nice um, to stick, you know, a, a, a beard down my gullet rather than a swab up my nose. Uh, but you know. you're right this certainly isn't behind us yet the coronavirus uh is not in the rearview mirror COVID-19 is still a very real thing even though we got to the other side of the football season and it all feels normal now uh so wear your damn mask uh don't be around a ton of people there's no reason to have ridiculous parties um For all of you who are in college, I understand it's tough right now not getting to have that experience. It was for everybody, you know, this this past year, Uh, you know, for all those fans of college football, whether you're Subway alumni or alumni or you're still an undergrad. Football does have that power, um, just like every sport does in its own way uh but make sure that you know understanding with that power also comes responsibility and it's responsibility of all of us in the community so make sure we have each other's back because the only way that we're getting full stadiums next year is to have each other's back right now so you know wear your mask if the opportunity comes up for you to get vaccinated take the shot in the arm. Uh, Because a shot in the arm for you is a shot in the arm for all of us, just like this EA Sports College football game coming back will be as well. So on that note, have a wonderful rest of your week. We'll be back with you next Wednesday for another episode of the Saturday Blitz podcast. It's been great talking to you.